You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street, horror for the casually obsessed. I'm Kim. I'm John. And this week, we're talking about two big old bug movies. That's right. With Starship Troopers from 1997 and Eight-Legged Freaks from 2002. These were two first-time watches for Kim, and I'm very happy to have been able to introduce her to both of these movies, especially Starship Troopers, which, heads up, we can throw the entire episode. <laughs> I, I tried really hard not to do it just now. We refer to the movie as Super Troopers a lot. They are pretty super. <laughs> yeah, as, as far as bugs go, these are super-sized <laughs> bugs. But before we get into it, Kim, what's keeping you creepy this week? Uh, like everyone with a Netflix subscription or the login to their friend's Netflix subscription, right. uh, we binged the Fear Street trilogy that has been dropping the last three weeks of July, or the first three weeks of July, mm-hmm, the past mm-hmm. three weeks. There you go. This July. <laughs> uh, started with 1994, and then we had 78, and it just dropped the finale to the trilogy was 1666. My absolute favorite was the middle one, the 78. I love a good camp story. Right. Can't go wrong with a summer camp slasher. Yeah. Especially I... a summer camp slasher that's willing to kill kids. <laughs> Spoiler and alert. They, they totally <laughs> oh, do. Oh, they kill kids. Yeah, it was, it was really fun. Uh, overall, I I thought it was okay. I'm not... It's funny. I'm seeing two polar reactions of the franchise. The, like, meh, and then the, I love it. This is the greatest thing ever. Tattoo it to my eyeballs. Yep. I'm, a, I'm a little around the middle. Uh, I thought it was decent. I thought it was okay. 78, I really loved. I just I wanted kind of a little bit more from the characters. It was a little melodramatic for me. But you know what? It's Fear Street. It's, it's teenagers. They... They're pretty melodramatic, so... That's true. And it, I, I will say, as a three-part movie, it is very much three separate movies, but they, they tie into each other in a really interesting way. Yeah, and it was a really ambitious project. The story really threads through all three movies, so in in that sense, I think everybody should be super proud of it, and it's, like, super stylized. I already have the 94 and the 78 soundtracks downloaded onto my Been phone. Been listening to them nonstop. I love them. You're not going to find, like a, like, a harpsichord? or a loot soundtrack for 1666? <laughs> you know, I haven't even looked if there is one. I'm sure there isn't. Uh, it's probably 94 part two, if anything. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's yeah, let's not talk about it too much because that's a great little a little surprise for 1666. They spend a lot more time in, in 1994 than you expect them to. Well, and, but you know they're going to because you have to wrap up the main story and 1994 is the thread that carries us through the franchise. Is it a franchise? The trilogy. Yeah, hard to call it a franchise if they all came out one it week apart. It came out so right? fast. Yeah. Like it's, it's, It all kind of feels like one big thing because we got to watch them so sequentially and I love Netflix for doing that. Super ambitious for I know it wasn't necessarily an original property but I mean it's inspired by Fear Street it has the heart of Fear Street but it's all original stuff oh yeah and I think that's fucking fantastic and I hope we get more stuff like that yeah definitely better than the the alternative route where it's a three season show and each season takes place in that time period although that would have been <laughs> would have been good would have just been a little too long is all it comes down to it's almost like the three of these together feel like a new a season a nice mini of, series yeah like or like a new season of that show Slash Slasher, like a, like, a, like a slasher that takes place in three different decades, and uh, it was yeah, it was a lot of fun. Good good summertime watch, but um, also out this week on Shutter, uh, Candisha from oh boy, Andre sh- Bustillo and Julian Mori. Yeah, who- <laughs> we did it. We did it together. <laughs> Collectively, we got it. We each remembered one name. Yeah, the- of one our favorite French filmmaking duo. Yeah, is our only known French filmmaking duo. There are not a lot of duos, but yes, these two French filmmakers are responsible for the film Inside from 2007, which you probably remember, that home invasion movie Just on Christmas scissors Eve. and maybe a little pregnancy. Oh, God, yeah, what a great fucking movie. Not not the feel-good movie you want it to be. It's very much a downer. Um, you know, they, they also directed the Texas Chainsaw remake. Leatherface, right? Leatherface, yeah. yeah, the prequel. Their new movie, Candisha, is a, it's an urban legend movie, very much in the same vein as Candyman. If you liked Candyman, you're probably really going to like Candisha. 
I fucking loved this movie. It's super visceral, very gory, has a lot of paranormal elements, which you you don't normally get the two in that lovely marriage of like, this is going to be very upsetting and disgusting, but also (laughs) like, is it ghostly? Almost sort of. (laughs) Yeah, Candisha is a Moroccan myth, like an urban legend of a, she's a spirit that women can summon to punish men. After our lead is attacked by her ex-boyfriend, she calls upon Candisha, but she doesn't know that she has, like, a blood quota to fill. Like, not only did she it's kill- It's not just the bad it's guy. It's not just the bad guy. It's like all the men in her life are now on the fucking chopping block. And, you know, her and her friends, you know, over the course of, like, one hot summer in France between high school and adulthood have to figure out how to save uh, the people that they love and, and get rid of this this vengeful spirit. It's really fucking good. It is good. And I really enjoyed the the three female leads. They were just such good characters, and they were really well fleshed out. Yeah. And I really liked them. I went into this completely blind, not knowing anything. I, I honestly, I don't even think I knew it was a horror film. I was just like, I'll watch this. <laughs> and uh, when it, it started going into that urban legendary, I was like, oh, dear God. Yeah. This film is going to be next level. I love when you, when you fall in love with the characters before the horror even starts. Yeah. You really want to follow them through the journey and like you want to see them make it out okay and hopefully not have all of, you know, like their husbands and dads and sons and brothers all die. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, hey, they don't all make it out, but it's, yeah, like the first half of this movie is like a real cool hangout vibe. Like it's a perfect summer movie. Like it really captures. It feels warm. <laughs> yeah, there's that. I mean, everybody's sweating, I guess is what it comes down to. <laughs> but yeah, that's on Shutter right now. Highly recommend you check that one out. It's a blast. Yeah, and uh, just before we send you off into the meat of the episode, I uh, just want to plug our last event of July for the Fiend Club event. We're having a game night. We're probably going to play some uh, some draw battles like Pictionary, but with horror-themed words only. Yeah. Uh, one Night Ultimate Werewolf, uh, if you've played it, where you know one person plays a werewolf and then the rest of us are villagers and we have to figure out who the werewolf is before we all die. It's the best game to learn how to lie to your friends. That's what you need. <laughs> so much fun. So we're going to be playing that in the Fiend Club the night of July 31st. It's a Fiend Club experience. So to get in, you have to be a member. It's only $6 a month, and you get access to all of those types of events, our watch parties, our game nights. We have merch discounts, there's swag and stuff, and that is at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub to join at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub. At the time of recording this, we haven't announced all of the events for for August, our watch parties, our game nights, but I have a pretty good feeling that we're going to be rewatching the Friday the 13th series. So if you have any interest in in watching that and goofing around, chatting with the Fiend Club members uh, you know, on a Friday or Saturday night, that's probably what we're going to be doing for the rest of the summer. I'm very excited because I have never seen the Neither series. Neither have I. Yeah, I've never seen the series before, and I'm excited to watch it with a bunch of people. Like, Especially horror fans, it's going to be so much fun. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. But let's get into it. Let's talk about some big bad bugs, and let's kick it off with Paul Verhoeven's Starship Troopers. In every age, there is a cause worth fighting for. But in the future, the greatest threat to our survival will not be man at all. Tomorrow must travel across the stars to defend our world. We are a generation commanded by fate to defend humankind. Everyone fights, no one quits. We are going in with first wave. You smash the entire area. You kill anything that has more than two legs. You get me? We get you, sir. But they will face an enemy more devastating than any ever imagined. takes you to the front lines of the next frontier. Kill them all! Starship Troopers. 
Super Troopers from 1997 is currently sitting at a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb, 65% on Rotten Tomatoes, 51% on Metacritic, and 3.7 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Very conflicted film. So going into this, just going to like precursor disclaimer, I had zero knowledge of this, zero even this... This film wasn't even on my radar. I had no idea what this movie was when you put it on. Which super surprises me. You know, so much so that I might even end up calling it Super Troopers a couple of times during this episode. I didn't say that when I introed it, did I? I don't know. Shit. <laughs> Just to be clear, we are talking about Starship Troopers. There's a pretty good chance I also said Super Troopers. I've, Fuck, no, I've no. been calling it Super Troopers all week. <laughs> We went to the drive-in recently to see A Quiet Place Part 2 and The Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It. We had pretty much just finished watching The Conjuring. We had just seen The Conjuring. At home. Didn't feel like watching it a second time at the drive-in. And surprise, surprise, Super Troopers? Damn it! There we go! <laughs> Starship Troopers, we, we just downloaded it on the tablet, plugged it into the stereo, and watched that instead. Surprisingly good follow-up to A Quiet Place Part 2, because of them bugs. There's also something super subversive about watching your own screen <laughs> at the drive-in. I felt very, very naughty about it. <laughs> Naughtier than if we had of just change the the radio station and tried to crane our necks to look at screen two right <laughs> like that was a worse crime yeah and the fact that we had it playing on our car speakers i felt especially it was just like oh, we have to at least have it on the radio station that the drive-in told us to i i, I do have to say sort of like sidestepping from the podcast and the conversation one of my greatest joys of recent months has been introducing you to these subversive action movies that you that you think based on pop culture are just like hoorah guns blazing american propaganda films but are actually like really solid movies i've been i will admit that i've been having a really great time we've been kind of just on accident or just like for lack of a want to you know search through streaming platforms for something to watch you know all of those like 80s action movies and those iconic iconic movies come up pretty heartily on netflix and such because you know like they're such go-tos and growing up you know as a as a girl in the 90s. <laughs> this is I, why you don't know about Starship Troopers. I had, yeah, I had plenty of like Disney content and my own shit that I was into. So I have a complete blind spot for anything action, anything sci-fi, anything quote unquote boy movie is a black hole for me. It's mostly a wasteland. Don't worry. <laughs> you need somebody who has watched all of them to say, oh, these are the, these are the good ones that actually have something to say. Like as, as fun as Rambo 2 is. I, you, first first blood oh boy that's a movie and i can pinpoint where it all began it, it was i think it was like two christmases ago when i let you get me into die hard <laughs> and it it was a gateway drug i had i had my first toke of marijuana and i in my eyes are just like give me more boy movies yeah which led us to robocop <laughs> paul verhoven's L- robocop which has then in turn led us to starship troopers <laughs> I'm so happy we're here. I'm so glad we're finally talking about it. And I love that it's it's enough of a monster movie and sort of a gore fest that we can talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> I was very surprised the whole time. I had no idea what to expect. I was honestly expecting that puppet movie. I think that's what Super Troopers puppet is. Puppet movie. The, oh, no. Captain America or Captain... Oh, Team America. Yeah. That's what I was expecting. When you said Super Troopers, or sorry, when you said Starship <laughs> Troopers, I heard Super Troopers, which in turn, I also don't know what that is. And yeah, I was expecting that that puppet satire or whatever. And I got this gory monster fest. Which is still like a high satire though, right? Yeah. I was so pleasantly surprised. I really enjoyed this. I'm so glad to hear that. My my first time watching this movie, back in 1997, because I definitely watched it as soon as it came out, I thought it was the greatest action monster movie ever made. <laughs> and all of that like satire went right over my head. And revisiting it as an adult was an experience. I definitely think it's designed that way. There are yeah. there are so many layers to this movie that it's got that campy self-awareness that it knows it's a monster movie. Just by the, the casting decisions of all of the army heads 
and the <laughs> the kind of contrived personalities that they play yeah. is so enjoyable on a surface level that you don't even need to think about like the kind of propaganda underneath. But the greatest thing about discovering this as a kid, which I'm sure you're, you've kind of gone through, is that it's watching an entirely different movie as an adult. Yes. Both are super enjoyable. Like, it's great if you just want to turn your brain off and watch a big, dumb action movie with giant bugs and and stuff that have, like, melt-your-flesh acid coming out of their butts. This movie has so many fucking action sequences. A lot. So many. A lot, a lot. So many. Most most action movies, you know, you get a taste of it, and then we have to, like, come back and regroup for the big finale, but they are fighting bugs. Even, Even when they're doing training, like, the training action pieces... It's just sequence after sequence after sequence. The actual plot parts of this movie are so short and far and few between. Most of it's fighting. Most of it's bugs and guts and special effects. Yeah. Okay, so like if you, like Kim, haven't seen Starship Troopers or it's been a while, the plot points are, are pretty simple. We're far enough into the future that democracy is dead. It's pretty, like the entire world is, is North Korea through an Americanized lens, right? Like the movie is set. In Buenos Aires, when it's on Earth. But it could just as easily be Southern California, because I think... The yeah, in- I think it's a, it, we're living in a homogenized society. Oh, yeah. You could probably call planet Earth just, like, New America, right? Is, is the easiest way, I think, to describe it. And there's some other planet at the other end of the galaxy that they've been fed some sort of narrative about having to destroy. I don't remember why. It's something about gravitational pull or something. I don't know. There's bugs and we don't like them and they're dangerous and we should eradicate them. Would you like to know more? Yeah. Oh boy. (laughs) So mixed into all of this is this brilliant, brilliant framing device. Is it a framing device? I think so. Uh, anyway, there are, there are quick little cuts like you were watching everything on television. And it is a more now 21st century version of television than we had in 1997, I think. But that's where you really get the tone of the movie. And the, the sense of the modern day society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a propaganda machine and everything. Everything is a propaganda machine. Even the little news snippets just quickly turn into something like even more dark and sinister than you would have thought. A murderer was captured this morning and tried today. Guilty. Sentence, death. Execution tonight at 6, all net, all channels. Would you like to know more? Oh boy, that's one of my favorite parts of this movie. It does give you such a fun glimpse of this world that is very military-based, but it's so normalized that that's what makes it dystopian. Mm. Like, the fact that you're not a full citizen, you're, you're just a civilian if you haven't served in the military. Oh, so, isn't that a great little wrinkle? Yeah, and, and it makes sense that we're following these young people because we're seeing them at this decision as to, like, how... It, it's kind of like the game of life. You know how there's the fast track? Like, you can get <laughs> on the board faster if you don't go to university. Sure. But you're not open to as many of the fun cards uh- and job opportunities and, and career dollar cards. Yeah. You have to have that side training. And instead of it being, you know, like going to university and getting your doctorate degree, it's it's serving in the military. Yeah. It's and you, risking you... your life in yep. the military. Yep. You can't even vote. If you don't do military service, like that's that's the real distinction between a civilian and a citizen is that a a citizen of the world means that you have done some sort of military service. We learned so much from that one like shower sequence. Um, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. So it's when they're it's the first kind of training camp where it's all you have all of these recruits and everybody's we're with we're with Johnny Rico here. (laughs) We are with the ground infantry. We're not smart enough to be in like the, the strategic portion and we're definitely not skilled enough to be a pilot. Yeah. So these are basically your average Joes. Yeah. Your you know like your blue collar workers. It's where your podcasters would be if they were forced to go in the army. <laughs> I just want to start my podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, everybody kind of goes around and gives their reasoning for why they're in the military. And a lot of them have very standard, you'd expect, you know, these rights and privileges to be afforded to anybody who is part of a first world planet. <laughs> well, yeah, like some of them, they're, they can't afford school and they're going to get the military to pay for it. So they're going to do a few years of service and then boom, university's taken care of. Yeah. One woman offhand is like, I want to have kids and it's a lot easier to get a license for kids if you've served. Yeah. Boom. That's another great little tidbit of the future. You need a license to have kids. <laughs> but it's just another example of how the government is very all controlling, you know? 
Like it's it's a blend of North Korea, China, and and America. And America. Oh yeah, America at its worst. <laughs> yeah, it, it everything has got that sugar coated Americanism. <laughs> yeah, Americanisms about it. Everything is about pride. Oh yeah, it's it's all exceptionalism. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's what makes it so like such a wonderful satire is is that the characters themselves have grown up in this universe, so they don't even bat an eye about the state of their world, and it's completely unimportant. That's how you could watch this as a kid and not see all of those things because the characters don't have an internal struggle about this current modern day society. Yeah, they're just products of a lifetime of propaganda. Yeah, and the plot of this movie is actually a romantic one it's because our main character johnny rico is in this like love menage a four uh <laughs> with denise richards and the military like no! who else is in this well, menage a four he's, he's got dizzy who's obsessed with him oh, who sure. he does not requite her love oh, and so denise sad. richards has that other captain guy who was the rival of the other sport ball team. she fucking is in bed with the enemy <laughs> How dare she? He's not the enemy. (laughs) You gotta be true to your school, Denise Richards. What are you doing? That's a weird song. Anyway. (laughs) That's all part of the propaganda. Be true to your school. Yeah, it's it's, it's, uh, odd stuff. But it is a love story. It's a melodramatic high school love story at this film's core because those are these kids' problems. Yeah, well, they don't realize their society is fucking whack. No, he just signed up for military service for a girl. And it's completely ruined his life. Like as as much as as much as it's glamorous and he's saving the world and stuff, and arguably maybe saved his life because he wasn't at Buenos Aires when the fucking the insects attacked and threw an asteroid that wiped Buenos Aires off the map. Well, wasn't he supposed to go to Harvard? But he's like, no, I'll join the military so I can be with Denise Richards. But they end up in different paths anyways because yep. uh, she's super disciplined and smart and she ends up being a pilot, which was her, her lifelong dream. Mm-hmm. And so eventually she uh, breaks up with him via video chat. Uh, oh, yeah. Or via like compact disc call. <laughs> I love how you say, like, write to me, but they, they're still very much sending I love video that, messages. though. I like that, too. I think that's great. That's because... so retro. <laughs> <laughs> now, you said something that I think was brilliant. While we were watching this movie. I said something brilliant. And then, yeah. And then you also tweeted about it. So I know it's a very <gasps> oh. solidified stance and I want you to expand on it. <laughs> so this is why I think it's a uh, a love story. Yeah. But it's also about self-worth uh-huh. and discovering yourself. Of course. And not needing no man. That's true. Which Especially if you're Rico. <laughs> Johnny Rico discovers on his journey that is not unlike Elle Woods in Legally Blonde. <laughs> I'll be there right as soon as court is out. We have to cross-examine Enrique. But don't worry, my girlfriend Serena once barfed on a guy during the Blair Witch Project, and they ended up dating for three months. Really? Mm-hmm. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. This movie is legally blonde. Uh, now that you say it, I can't unsee it. It's 100% the same story. Yeah. You went for a girl, and or boy, and in turn, you realize that you need to do this for you. This is for you. You got to discover yourself. You got to work hard. Focus, put all your tenacity into being the best lawyer slash military serviceman you could be. That's good stuff. I was going to walk through the plot of, of Legally Blonde and get you to sort of like walk us through Super Troopers at the exact same time. But I think it's all there. Like realistically, yeah, like she she joins Harvard Law because it's not that hard. And <laughs> for what, a, like it's hard? For a boy, which is the same as Law Rico school. joining the military for this girl, becomes the lead of their own team because of an unfair advantage that they have in Legally Blonde. She's what? She's like obsessed with the girl who's on trial for murder because of her the kickboxing videos? Is that what it was? Well, yeah, the nutritionist? but they, they're both alumni of the same sorority. Oh, that's what it is. Delta New. And Dizzy and, and Rico are from the football team, which is like what made them such good strategists on the field. And also everybody's dying, so he just keeps getting racist. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's the easiest way to get promoted in the army is somebody. F- and they say that too in the movie. It's just like, all right, you're my new squad leader until I find some until you die or I find somebody better. Ooh, that's so rough. grim. That's rough. We didn't even talk about the fact that Michael Ironside is all over this goddamn movie. He's their like former military teacher that they have in high school, and then we find out later on he is fucking squad leader when we get to the alien planet. So when he's squad leader, he's got, like, a metal arm that's pretty fucking fantastic. Right. But when he's the teacher, he's an amputee from, like, his military service. And the special effects on that are fucking great. 
they still hold up. I mean, his movements are a little weird because I think they they really had to map him. Oh, yeah, the green screening, um, yeah. But it looks great. I can't say the same for some of the bugs. They look a little CGI. Whoa, I love the, I love the bugs in this movie. But there's a big but. I'm coming up with a compliment. Okay. Uh, they did a really great job of blending the two, which I will talk about when we get to our next film that they do not do. Uh, oh. <laughs> is that they use a lot of practical stuff for all of the close-ups and stuff, particularly yeah, 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 yeah. the scene where Johnny Rico is going after the huge bug and he shoots a hole in its back so he can throw like a grenade in it. Yeah. Um, they, they've made a big prop back that he's holding on to and stuff. So whenever we have the close-ups, we don't have to see him trying to like interact with this CGI bug that he's on that's not really there. Like yeah. they have props and stuff. And also like all the splatter and goo that comes at them is real splatter and goo. Hell yeah. So I think that lends itself really well to early CGI when they used a blend where they could. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also too why in our, like the last episode we were talking about how Jurassic Park really holds up with the dinosaurs. A lot of them are CGI, but they had so many animatronic puppets that they used whenever they could and mm-hmm. like for close-ups and stuff or or whether they just had a guy with like puppet raptor feet on the ground <laughs> yeah <laughs> that stuff really helps carry the illusion because when you're when you see those close-ups you're looking for texture like i want to know what the bug skin looks like yeah, yeah, yeah. i want to know like what the the arachnids and stuff would be rough up close and with cgi in 1997 we could not do that everything was shiny and had not enough pixels to replicate skin and texture and arachnids are are rough and dinosaur skin is rough all of that stuff you want to see you want to experience that's what we watch movies for to be transported to these these places with these impossible creatures and fucking starship troopers is bug city yeah yeah oh yeah like that blend is is the absolute right approach and it totally works because like you've got these these large sort of swarms of bugs that are coming you don't need practical for all that but like yeah when they get up and close it's it's all practical and it it really works that big bug is the grossest, right? It's like a, it's just a giant brain with another smaller, like, brain-sucking stem that comes out of its nose. Yeah, so that's different than the other bug. Like, there's, like, the beetle bug. Oh, sorry, sorry. Like, there are a lot of different types of bugs. Yeah, so that's, like, your standard giant-ass beetle. Yeah. Your standard 20-foot beetle. Shooting these, like, Maybe nuclear missiles out of their butts. <laughs> and it, like, breathes fire. Um, standard bug stuff. But, yeah. But the brain bug is... Head bug. You know what it reminded me of? And this is because I only just discovered this movie recently. Uh-huh. Uh, not doing this chronologically reminded of. The slurm in slurm. Futurama where they, like, it's the giant snail and the pop, oh, and the pop yeah. they've been drinking is slurm. <laughs> yeah, this giant ass bug has, like, a straw for a mouth. And it sucks brains. Yeah, it sucks brains. I could just picture the the eleven year old boy in you just like double fist oh, yeah. in the air, like well, sucking brains. It's so fucking good because it just like stabs that dude in the top of the head, slurps his brains up, and you literally see him like he's been sucked dry. Yeah, and his like eyes roll back in his head. It's pretty fucking. It's wonderful. so good. He was so mad when I was tweeting in the middle of the movie because he's like, "You're gonna, you you're gotta ruin see it. this. You gotta." <laughs> see. I rewound. I rewound parts of this movie like seven times for him. Like, Anytime she looked away, I'm like, no, you missed something genius. I'm that asshole. Don't get your pop right now, Kim. If we weren't going to talk about it on the podcast. We weren't. We were just watching it for fun. Are you fucking kidding me? We were like 20 minutes into this movie and you were like, for the podcast? And you you really wanted to pair it with A Quiet Place Part 2, which I was for, but now we're asking, like, now we're about to spoil a movie that's still in theaters. I'm I'm just kind of in the mood that from now on, all of our summer podcasts, there's just like, shit, we saw at the drive-in. I'm for it. (laughs) Yeah. So so far, it has been mostly that. What is the thematic pairing? Like, I don't know, whatever the 16-year-old decided would be on screen one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The interesting thing about that giant bug, that giant brain bug, is that it parallels everything that's happening with the humans. He's sucking their brains and gaining their knowledge. Exactly! (laughs) But the thing is, so we've got, we've got, like, a UN of of military leaders back home who we keep cutting to. With Neil Patrick Harris. (laughs) We didn't even talk about the fact that Neil Patrick Harris is in this movie. He is, he is, like, high up in the military chain, but... And loses his soul. Sorry, talk about the brain bugs and we'll talk about Neil, Neil Patrick Harris. Well, I just like the the we we keep seeing the smear campaign of the bugs. Like we got to stop these bugs. Your your average bug has no consideration for human. It doesn't think, it doesn't feel. You just the only good bug is a dead bug. That kind of stuff. And the military leaders who are like we got to go in, we got to attack these bugs now. 
you like have to sort of step down because a hundred thousand people died in like an hour. I think <laughs> like, it was like three hundred thousand. It was a lot because they just went in willy nilly to the bug turf and and it got wiped out. We're not prepared. I will say though, those fucking bugs. It was insane how impervious they are to whatever the military is using as ammo. Oh yeah, especially would... like you see like our our main character put a thousand bullets into one of them before it dies. Yeah. Like you guys are gonna need more guns. It took fucking three guys shooting for two good minutes to take down one bug and yeah. there were hundreds hundreds of hundreds bugs. of bugs non-stop bugs like i don't think you guys are using the right ammunition like i think we should do some r&d on bug skin yeah they've got a few nukes but they're few and far between and you know you can't use those up close the military leader steps down because of this because he lets so many people die and the new person who takes over like another wartime chief is just like hey what we need to do is understand these bugs we need to learn about them and so we can fight them on their own turf and because uh, knowledge is power and that's exactly what the bugs are doing they're much smarter than people think they're burrowing in to these bases and they're sucking the brains out of humans to learn who we are what we do how we think and how to defeat us and what our military strategies are yeah yeah, they they think these bugs are just dumb and and you know they're they're just like erratic and defending themselves they're just stupid old bugs but they have military strategy they are just as smart as the humans attacking them and there was no fucking reason for us to be there so this is what i don't really understand um maybe it's just like the driving the plot to start this war but was it not the bugs that shot something over to Earth and destroyed Buenos Aires, and that's why, like, we're going to war. So that's what started, like, the whole invasion that that brings our main characters to the bug planet. Mm-hmm. But there was already a smear campaign against bugs. Oh, no, they were already anti-bug. Yeah, yeah we were. they were already on the chopping block. But it's because we were headed there that they shot that toward us. And I think it's like there's a belt of, of like, meteors. Bug belt? There's a bug belt around the planet, <laughs> and they used some sort of, like, nuclear power to just push a rock toward us that's how fucking smart they are they were like we're gonna push this rock and it's going to attack the earth (laughs) they figured it out do you think bugs have like navigational chart maps of the sky you're so excited about these bugs i love them these bugs are so smart and they didn't do anything to us they didn't deserve us invading them and oh boy does that not sound like a common fucking story here (laughs) on earth (laughs) even if you want to take it past you know America just being the police of the world and going into a country that they say should be invaded for whatever reason. Let's just look at it from bugs. Like, like here on Earth, we're just like, fuck these bugs. <laughs> like, these bugs are dumb. They don't know what they're doing. And, like, any time that we see any sort of pattern with something like animals and, and something as small as bugs, we just go, oh, isn't that clever? Like, like, oh, silly little bugs doing things humans do, but not as good as humans. And we're just like, <laughs> fuck these bugs. I'm putting a house to here. Like, <laughs> It's no different. And one of these days, they're going to revolt. <laughs> All they need is a little toxic waste, grow 10 times their size, and we're done for. It, it's true. They would have a score to settle. All the kids with magnifying glasses have doomed us all. Yeah. And the the greatest part about this movie is that you know that. And, like, the, the, the movie is forecasting all of that to you. That what we're doing is wrong. We shouldn't be there. These bugs are smarter than we think. And they are just defending themselves. They're just like, hey, guys, this is our home. And you just decided one day to nuke us? What did you think was going to happen? Of course we were going to defend ourselves. And then we have... A character who's who's got telekinesis a little bit. So He's, and he shows up. <laughs> Sorry, you go ahead. But that's what's so fucking weird about this futuristic society, and it's so little of the story that so one third of this friend group that we're following, Neil Patrick Harris, he goes off to like the brain group of the military. Mm-hmm. We kind of lose track of him for a lot of the film, and by the time we see him again, he is cold and calculated, is making decisions not necessarily. With empathy in mind. Yeah, because he even says bluntly, every decision I make could mean the death of 10,000 of your men. And it's just so he just can't look at humans as humans anymore, which is interesting because he almost has to kind of look at them like bugs. But, but, oh, um, oh. <laughs> he shows up at the end of the movie after they have captured the giant, smart, brain-sucking bug that almost sucks Denise Richards' brains out. Almost. But she cuts his little, like, his weird his little- straw off. Yeah, his <laughs> straw off with a little knife that she had hidden. Gets out. You know, Johnny Rico shows up, saves the day. Ooh, Rob, we didn't even talk about the fact that Dizzy died. 
And it was the saddest fucking death because she's like, it's totally fine because I got to have you. Like, I love Ooh. you. And he was like, goodbye. Ooh, poor Disney. I can't say that also. <laughs> um, you were second choice. But they have, <laughs> they have this giant, smart, leader brain sucking bug. And Neil Patrick Harris shows up. They've got like little bug handcuffs on it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> And he puts his hand on it, and he looks into its seven black eyes, and he says, it's afraid. And you expect in this moment to have some sort of compassion and empathy, and for us to realize, like, oh, they're scared of us, and and maybe what we're doing Retreat. here is wrong. Yeah. yeah. But instead, everybody just like, yay! <laughs> like, cheers and applause. Like, we've won. They're scared of us. Oh, it's so bad. And then we cut to the propaganda machine. Yeah, and... And they're fucking torturing this bug to understand it. Yes. It's awful. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's like, oh, like we've made progress in the in the war against the bug. Look now. how scared it is of this giant phaser. Soon we will learn everything about it and eradicate them faster. And, and Johnny Rico is there. And he's like, come on, you want to live forever? And, the, and, and, and also Denise Richards, they highlight her because they have just become... Main characters and products of the propaganda machine. Mm. They lived long enough to see themselves become the enemy. They they thought they were the heroes, but they are just part of a bigger fucking machine that does nothing but swallow people up and just murder every, like, leaving just like trails of bodies behind them, but whether just, bug or human. But just like the beginning of the movie, when they're like teenage kids, there's such a complete lack of self awareness about that. I think they're happy. They're celebratory. I think you're right. This is I a happy ending yes, for them. For them, exactly. But like we should, and and I think as audience members look at it as like, wow, this is dark. <laughs> like, fuck. This is not an actual happy ending. This is a horrible nightmare. Yeah, I'm actually super surprised that this movie kind of had a cool reception when it was released. I was reading up on it that, one, there's a ton of uh, Starship Troopers movies. Oh, there's a lot. This is the only one that went theatrical and it quote unquote bombed. Did it? Yeah. Wow. Like it, maybe just ratings and reviews wise. Like it made its money back, but it was just barely through worldwide sales as well. Budget 105 million, box office 121 million. Wow. Yeah. Well, it made a profit at the very least. But and damn. I think, I, I, I think it's like starting to get its audience now, like with the internet age, people are rediscovering it. The kids, when it came out, are, are the ones that are appreciating it now because they're seeing it on both levels. They're like, yeah, hoorah action movie with yeah. brain bugs. Super fun. And then now seeing the satire. and Sharp. That, that, cutting. Yeah, <laughs> that undercurrent of the that dystopian military reality and are just like, fuck, this shit's cool. I wonder if the critics were just like, oh, this this has a good message quote unquote but it's too gory for me it's a dumb action movie i think for a film to be good it has to survive on both planes it yeah. has to be fucking fun regardless of whatever the the message or the moral quandary at its at its core not necessarily fucking fun but a fucking it has to be a fucking good ride yeah it has to be entertaining in order for you to even be receptive of its message. And that's what's so cool and makes it kind of timeless in that kids who saw this and were like, let's watch that movie with all those space rachnids. Oh, yeah. Are then being like, oh, fuck. This was a sleepover movie for me. Like, anytime, like, like Is that because oh, it had yeah. boobs in it? <laughs> we love those boobs. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but also just like, yeah, it's just like a great gory time with lots of giant ass people eating bugs. Yeah, I was so fucking surprised at how fun this movie was. I'm so glad you liked it. Because I thought it was a bit of a gamble. I was he like, you did. know what? He Denise really Richards ha- made He really the had to sell it. He was like, Denise Richards is in it. I love that that's how I had to really sell it. I just <laughs> had to dangle that in front of you. Like, remember, remember Valentine? Let's watch this one. <laughs> that was literally all you needed. I was like, hey, it's the guy who made RoboCop, which, by the way, also a much smarter movie than I think it gets credit for. It's gotten the credit now, but I bet when it came out, did not have nearly as much appreciation for its commentary on modern society and and where we're headed in the future and oh boy is it not a great companion piece to starship troopers because of those tv sequences right and even for that one you had to dangle the actress in front of me for me to watch robocop like you want to see nancy allen in a cop (laughs) uniform nancy allen (laughs) (laughs) i know my audience (laughs) so kim 
What's your rating of Starship Troopers? Oh, boy. I think I'm going to give this a four out of four. I'm so happy to hear that. I'm also giving it a four out of four. Yeah. Maybe it's because it's like the first time watch. I had no I had no expectations going into it. And I was just really surprised and blown away by just how much was in this movie. How much it gave me. Yeah. It gave me gooey monsters. It gave me an insane amount of like shitty action scenes. Some really fun characters. Uh, yeah, I fucking loved it. I'm really happy you like this. Uh, it was very hard to try and find a movie to pair with it. The immediate one I wanted to go with was RoboCop, just because Paul Verhoeven's a fucking genius. But we went the bug route here, and we paired it up with Eight-Legged Freaks. Legged Freaks from 2002 is currently sitting at a 5.4 out of 10 on IMDb, 48% on Rotten Tomatoes, 53% on Metacritic, which is, this is maybe the one time the Metacritic rating is higher than the Rotten Tomatoes rating, and 2.5 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Now, if Starship Troopers was unfairly classified as a big, dumb B-movie with lots of bugs, uh, but if you are looking for a big, dumb B-movie with lots of bugs, look no further than Eight-Legged Freaks. It's a completely different type of movie. I don't know if this movie's trying to say anything at all. <laughs> I, yeah, I think you're friggin' right. Did you watch Eight-Legged Freaks when it came out? Hell yeah, I did. Okay. Saw it in the theater. Oh, boy. Sure did. Oh, wow. Okay, so this was a first-time watch for me. I figured as much. I have never seen uh, Eight-Legged Freaks until now. And again, like Starship Troopers, if you have not seen Eight-Legged Freaks, surprise, surprise, it's about spiders. Real big spiders who pff, toxic waste accidentally got spilled in the in the town and... It affected the growth of these spiders, and now they are, like, the size of tanks. These things are fucking huge. They're eating people off the street. They're unstoppable. And the guy who raised them is Tom Noonan. Oh, what a perfect little creepy guy. <laughs> creepy, harmless guy to raise bugs. Yeah, so I was I was getting up the, the, the character list on Wikipedia before we started, and he was the only character's name who I knew. Josh. They say it a lot. Joshua. Um, Josh. 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 It said uncredited. Like, that was not a fucking short-ass cameo. He was the whole opening. He was the reason why the spiders were huge. Did Tom Noonan take, like, an Alan Smithy on this movie? <laughs> like, he was ashamed? Like, I was in Manhunter. And I don't want to be associated with your bug movie. The fucking thing, too, is I was so into the, like, early 2000s music that we watched through the whole credits, and I, I didn't even think to look for his name. So I can't verify that, but... Yeah, on Wikipedia it says that he's uncredited in the film. Wow. Yeah, speaking of music, if you wanna if you wanna hear some Jimmy Eat World, you gotta get yourself a copy of Eight Legged Freaks. Oh man, uh, didn't this, this take you back? This was an era of soundtracks, still, right? Because there Definitely. was there was a bunch of the beginnings of a ton of songs. Oh yeah, you gotta love that when you just get like a chorus. 10, 15 seconds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> David Arquette plays Chris McCormick, who's come back to town after years of being away to claim the family mine. Because his dad says he found a bunch of gold before uh, before dying. The mine was the main source of income for the town, but it sort of dried up when there was no gold to be found. And he's sort of he's he's shown up at the eleventh hour before the town's going to be sold and moved down the road like like <laughs> Springfield <laughs> by a, by a giant corporation who I think wants to just buy the land to dump toxic waste in, right? Yes, because the the mayor, uh, who is not too far unlike the mayor from Jaws, has been secretly taking money from this huge corporation to dump toxic waste. In the mines, right? On the Yeah, somewhere on the- on abandoned the, mines. In the town, on the town. And that's how we end up with the giant spider, because at the very beginning, a truck driver who's carting the, the secret toxic waste swerves to avoid a bunny 
and the toxic waste ends up in a pond at which infects crickets who Josh catches for his spiders and then the spiders balloon in size. Just from my, you know, my rudimentary knowledge of ecosystems, other things are eating those crickets. I would assume birds are eating those crickets. Lizards in the area are eating those crickets. Only the spiders are huge and attacking the city. Good point. Why are there not huge giant birds eating those giant spiders? And Gotta then- save something for the sequel, Kim. Come on. <laughs> and then even gianter things eating the birds. It just becomes, you know, when you um, you have mice in the barn, you catch a cat, and then the, the cat runs wild, so you have to catch a dog, you get a dog. Yep. But with the giant versions of things. I don't know. I don't have answers for you. Spiders, baby. <laughs> <laughs> just spiders. Only spiders. Maybe Tom Noonan was so good at catching crickets that none of those other birds had a chance to ever eat Oh, one. like he caught all of the toxic crickets? Yep, every single one. That's fair. I love the opening of this movie because we have uh, like a little local boy who comes by to Joshua's place because he's like really interested in spiders and he's like giving him a tour like, hey, check out this spider. He's a jumper. He jumps from from place to place to grab his prey. And then we got these weirder fucking ones who create tunnels and trap doors and they just like snatch people up. It was a really great way to kind of give us a heads up on all of the the, the spider attack MOs. Yeah, (laughs) especially when he calls them like, Iraq attacks. (laughs) That was actually supposed to be the name of the film. No way. Yeah. It was originally called Iraq Attack. Attack. I love it. And it stayed that title for the European release and I think in in a few other worldwide countries. I gotta get that poster. But they changed it to Eight-Legged Freaks because this came out so close to the Iraq War. Wow. Yeah, that they didn't want any like... This um, word sounds the same as another word. they, They didn't want any drama, but... Eight-Legged Freaks, and then this is another Wikipedia fact, so allegedly, Eight-Legged Freaks, the title came from that line that that he says, obviously, when he's climbing, yeah. uh, when David Arquette is climbing the water tower or it the sounds like ADR. tower or whatever. It sounds like ADR. Uh, apparently, he ad-libbed it. And they were like, that's it. There's That's our the title. title. <laughs> Some producer had pulled a cigar out of his mouth like, we got it. He did it again. This is why you hire an Arquette. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't legged freaks! Do you really need like a big complicated setup in a big dumb bug movie like this? Like, oh, uh, toxic waste bugs. Good to go. That's all I need. So... That's a point you have made. <laughs> okay. But also, I'm going to very ca- polite of you. I'm going to counter with the fact that because that was all they had, there uh-huh. was no plot. We're following No, plot. So we're following the small town sheriff yeah. with her two kids, one of them who happens to be a young Scarlett Johansson yeah, and then Bug Boy. Yep, their uh, names the are the science kid. Their names are Mike and Ashley. I wrote down <laughs> Scar Joe and Bro is what I wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> I like Bug Boy the science kid. That's but okay. Good. And after the release of the giant spiders, and I say release, I mean the um, the emancipation of the giant spiders. Man, I would have loved if there was a moment, though, where somebody was just like, release the spiders! <laughs> that would have been good. It's just them running away from the spiders, sort of? It's a survival mark. film, Kim. I understand. <laughs> but a bug breaks into their house and webs up ScarJo. He sure does. And then they're... Ha- Taking time to have showers and fix their hair before we go on to the next set piece. They, they got covered in spider goop. They gotta. They have to have a shower. My favorite part about that sequence, though, is that David Arquette grabs what, like a like a knife or a he screwdriver. Gets scissors. He gets scissors. That's right. And he tries to attack the spider, but before he could throw down the hammer, that spider web just pins his arm against the wall, and he's stuck. He can't do anything about it. Good stuff. <laughs> Real good stuff. But yeah, no plot, really. Uh, I feel like, so halfway through running away from spiders, they're like, oh, we got to get to the crazy radio guy so we can tell the town. Harlan. Because everybody's going to believe the broadcast from the crazy radio guy. And then they tell them to go to the mall. And then that's the movie. I There's the plot. Sure. Here you go, John. They fight the spiders. That's the plot. Big spiders, super bad, want to eat everybody. They have to protect themselves from spiders, defend their their land, I guess, from spiders, and kill spiders. I don't think you needed to be that complicated, man. Yeah, I guess that's true. Maybe I was just kind of wanting something a little bit more objective-based. Like sure. Maybe... Instead of having everybody together the whole time, the little boy is on a field trip to the zoo or something, and they have to get across town to, like, rescue the boy. It gives them, like, a big overarching objective. Sure. It just felt like, oh, we'll go to the radio station. And they're like, uh, at the radio station, they're like, uh, and we should just go to the mall, right? The mall's super secure. 
and empty. Okay. All right, fine. I am hearing a lot of Hollywood template notes from you right now is what I'm hearing. <laughs> You're like, you know what this needs? A bunch of junk no one likes in their movies anymore. <laughs> Ooh, that hurt my heart a little bit. I take everything back. <laughs> I just feel like there's not a lot of substance. You're like, absolutely when right. When the spiders aren't attacking these characters, I don't know who they are. You're you're right on the money there. But I gotta like, ask who you is one. David Arquette. What is his character's name? Uh, spider Hunter. His name you, is. You wrote down the kid's name. His name is Chris McCormick. Okay. When the spiders aren't hunting Chris, can you give me three adjectives that describe who he is that does not relate to the the mine and his aunt? Disgruntled. Wait, I can't say that he's a dedicated nephew? Like, I can't say that he's a family man? Like, he loves his aunt so much. He does not, though. She didn't recognize him when he came. He, that's her fault. That's, and he looks different because he's got that goatee. Um, he he came he came into town to save the fucking place that he spent his life running away from, and then he risks his life to go back into that mine after there's a very clear clear path towards survival. What are you talking about? He goes back deep into those caves to save Gladys. They're just like you know like oh is is there a chance that Gladys is still alive? And they're like maybe, but probably not. And he's like so there's a chance. I'm gonna take this motorbike. I'm gonna rip through these. Mines. And I'm gonna find each and every cocoon until I find an untouched Gladys with perfect makeup, hairdo, and cigarettes hanging out of her mouth, and take her back out of this mine to safety. You're right. He's got whatever. Was that a, was that a characterization? <laughs> no, it wasn't. I I'm guess sorry. hero. Yeah. There you go. That works. Now, but I gotta ask you one question. Sure, we don't know who these people are when they're not being attacked by bugs. Mm -hmm. How often are they not attacked by bugs? Not much of the time. Right? <laughs> Full on, nonstop, Iraq attack, baby. What are you <laughs> talking about? When these butter when these bugs show up, it is game over. Like they they ramp up real fucking quick. First, they take out pets. They're going after cats and Rude. dogs and ostriches. Dislike. Oh, the ostriches. Mm. Yeah, but the just the sheer Execution? The, yes, exact, exactly. The <laughs> it execution. Was, it was pretty fucking good. All of a sudden, blah, like ostrich disappears off screen. <laughs> like, and then a cannon of feathers. <laughs> they had like one flailing arm noodle. Yeah. Pop, pop. Dressed up as an ostrich. Yeah. And then with just with like a, like a sploodly neck. And then poof, feathers everywhere. Yeah. Feather cannon. Loved it. Uh, and they did it six times, never got old. I, I have a feeling, I had this feeling while we were... All in the same seat, too. Uh, I had this feeling when we were watching the movie that when the spiders first started attacking pets, specifically that cat, you had a very rude awakening as to what this movie was. So, yeah, let's talk about that scene, the attacking the cat in the wall scene while the deputy is doing some late night renovations. Yeah, yeah I got half an hour free. Let's get into it. <laughs> it's all I want to talk about. The cat goes in the wall. And I guess there's a spider in there, and they have a full-out boxing match. Oh, you practically hear ding-ding, and they go for, like, 12 rounds. Climbing the walls and the ceilings and leaving cat and spider-shaped yeah. imprints. Yeah, just, like, smashed against the drywall. <laughs> just, like, the cat just, like, bleh, uh, and then occasionally a spider. Like, you know, the, the, the cat's got him up against the ropes it for a little bit. It was Scooby-Doo, where are you, level of cartoon CGI. And you the loved it. The cat was making like <laughs> faces. And you loved it, right? Uh, I don't know. I will tell you one of the cartoon level things I did love about this film uh -huh. was how much spider screaming oh, and boy. like cheering and, and sound growling. Yeah, there were a lot of spider Human, voice actors human characteristics i will say these spiders had personality <laughs> they really did and um this movie has a very odd ability to kill every pet possible and not make it a real downer cats die dogs die i was really sad that that dog died yeah i was dog. expecting the dog to be in a cocoon with the ant that would have been nice at the end they were both saved cocoons together yeah and i was really let down there. No, unfortunately, he was a snack. I, no. <laughs> John. But it's not like they, they, they stretch it out. It's they not used like... him for so many emotional <laughs> close-ups. The dog was like, huh? A bunch of times. <laughs> it's good stuff, yeah. Oh. I, th we get so much good spider attack 
stuff that I, <laughs> I I forgive this movie for absolutely everything. Like we have a giant tarantula that just pushes an airstream trailer down a hill, and we're the camera's inside that airstream trailer the whole time. It looks great. Uh, I love Harlan. I think he's an awesome character. I like he's, Harlan. Yeah. Yeah. Super conspiracy riddled. He's, but also doesn't buy giant spider. <laughs> doesn't buy giant spiders. Does buy aliens. But the same is true about literally everybody listening to his show. And I gotta say, it is great that everybody in the town, whole town is secretly into Harlan. Yeah. Yeah, his pirate radio station. Everybody's like, yeah, fuck whatever the news has to say. Arlen knows what's up. It's awesome. And um, he's a little worried about alien probes. He brings uh, he's, it up he, a he's lot. He's big on probing. <laughs> or the opposite of big on probing. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's he's got some soul surgeon to do on that one. But he is the MVP of the movie because he's the person who calls in. He's the person who calls in reinforcements by the end, right? Police, crazed lunatics from counties over, show up, guns in hand, ready to fight the fucking aliens. Why can't anybody buy that they're giant spiders? Why is aliens more believable? I guess what I should ask is, like, which one would you believe if you saw in the news tonight? Giant spiders attacking attacking a small town in Arizona or aliens above the White House? Which one would you believe? Probably aliens. Wow. Over giant spiders. Yeah. What a world we live in. Yeah. Aliens are more believable than giant spiders. Yeah. Okay. Could be both. Oh. Like I bought. Like that, like, okay. Like so Starship Troopers. <laughs> landing gear comes out, you know, drops down onto the White House lawn, you know. Oh, can you imagine a bunch of spiders in spacesuits? Confair. Spacesuits. Aww. Because <laughs> they're not ready for oxygen atmosphere. <laughs> they need little helmets. Okay. And li- like eight little space booties. <laughs> <laughs> Show us to your leader. <laughs> oh, and they'd have so many eye, like like the visor with the eye holes. Oh, it would have so many eye holes. You're right. <laughs> That'd be cute. So of of the bugs that we get in this movie, what are your favorites? My favorite bug sequence is mm-hmm. definitely all of those kids flying through the desert on dirt bikes. Hell yeah. While the jumping spiders chase them. Hell yeah. Also, the, I think the jumping spiders are the scariest. Mm. Because there's a fucking lot of them, and they can cover ground. Oh, yeah. Like, you're barely able to get away if you've got a motocross. But me personally, like, if I had to pick a spider that I did not want to go up against and a spider that scared me the most, those fucking hidden lair trapdoor spiders. Oh, yeah. You'd never see it coming, right? Like, boom, you're gone. They were so fast and so fucking scary. Yeah. I loved when that dude put the ladder over his trap door and was like, ha I'm going to my car. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the only reason he was able to get out alive is because he didn't lock his car door. So many scenes in this movie are people like, oh, God, fumbling with keys, <laughs> trying to get the right key to open or unlock a door. It's, and the, it's-, it's the reason for the majority of the deaths in the town. Yeah, <laughs> keys, which is so funny because it's such a small town and, like, no one leaves their doors locked around here, I would assume. I bet everybody says that. Yeah, it seems like the type of town where you'd have like a we don't we leave our our car keys in our visor. And... I was just thinking of the fact it's a super small town. We've got like one main strip. It's got a diner. That diner has like a late that night. That diner crowd. is bumping. Yeah, eleven p.m. No problem. We're here getting all the weirdos getting coffee and cake. Not a single person on the street. Like the street is consistently quiet, but the diner is packed. Yeah, and they're and they're all listening to Harlan's weird conspiracy radio station. Does your giant bug movie have to be in like a small town in the middle of nowhere? Yeah, because you you have to you have to be overlooked by by the major cities and, and be the big isolated. Like it's, it has to be an isolated incident because you don't want to have the military coming in right away. And it's totally the military's fault, I guess. I don't know. Not in this situation. You just assume it's their toxic waste. That's their main export, baby. Toxic waste. <laughs> it's not just like the big gas or something it's nope it's toxic waste and if they're not putting it into the ground they're putting it into the minds of the youth it took me a real long time to figure out what the purpose of these mines were because i guess i i grazed over the fact that they i wasn't sure either yeah yeah so i assumed it was for oil or something Coal, yeah but the fact that they had like literal miners but David Arquette said something along the lines of like if you get a box in a pocket of natural gas like go to the air pockets and i was like what why yeah there's methane gas that comes out of the ground and that's that's they could they could die because of it i just don't understand mines (laughs) yeah i i don't know if it was specifically like a coal mine or or whatnot but he was back there looking for a giant gold deposit that his dad said existed that everybody thought 
wasn't around because he was crazy. Like, he was, I don't know, poisoned by methane gas. Yeah, and one, two, skip a few. The spiders are in the coal mines. Or of course the, they are. The question mark mines. Because we haven't even talked about, like, the coolest, weirdest, scariest group of spiders that just go out and hunt for their queen, which is three times as big as them, and she just picks the best-looking cocoon. They're the suitor spiders. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> And that's that's where Gladys is. That's how she winds up down there because her house has uh, is pretty close to the mine. Spiders are able to break through the pretty foundation. Close. Of- <laughs> <laughs> pretty close. The basement leads to the mine. Yeah, like there might as well just be a trap door that says "Don't open mine here." <laughs> Beware mine shaft. Yeah. In the finale, they collapse the mine and they they discover the gold deposit because it's where the the mo- the big mama spider has set up her lair. They don't get that gold, right? Because oh, they're definitely going to get the gold. But they collapsed the mine. Did the mine collapse, or did they just burn all the spiders? Because <laughs> they turned the lights on, the methane gas exploded. I guess the mine probably collapsed, but he did see that gold deposit. I guess he knows roughly where it is. They could build that mine back up. And at the end, so the end is something I really want to talk about, because ha- Harlan gets this really sinister red lighting. And he smiles, (laughs) and he's got a bunch of gold teeth. And I'm assuming that's because they got the gold. But then also, is it because he's an alien? No, maybe. I don't know. That's a great theory. The red lighting and the sinister laugh like made me really confused. Yeah, the red lighting is is a little bizarre. I was very conflicted emotionally. (laughs) But the town's rich now, I think is the idea. I don't know. And we we just pretend spiders never existed. Well, I mean, if you really want to try and bring it to like a Joe Dante level breakdown of like what's going on and what the message is and the and, you know, what the director wants us to take away from all of this, I guess it would be that you have this mayor, this money hungry, greedy mayor who's who's full of get rich quick schemes, which like the ostrich farm, he's like, hey, that's good meat, it's a good resource, blah, 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 blah. And the mall, which he figured would bring business in. I do fucking love that the town is called prosperity yes and then the mall is prosperity mall yeah that's pretty great and and it is an absolute failure and like the biggest resource that they had were the mines the natural resources there's gold in them hills but everybody's looking past it they're trying to go they're trying to trudge forward with progress and like build stuff that they think is a sign of prosperity in the in the bigger cities like a mall and it does nothing they just needed to focus their efforts on the natural resource and taking care of those natural resources by not putting fucking toxins into the nature Making those spiders mad. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that's the basis of all nuclear giant bugs. So you movies. think the spiders are just defending themselves in this movie like starship troopers? Yeah. The spiders are just living don't their life. Lie. The spiders, spiders are just <laughs> those spiders are just they, they they don't know what's going on as far like they're just like, oh shit, I'm big now, and this is what food is to me now. <laughs> it's not their fault. These spiders are on the attack. They break into ScarJo's room. These spiders are just doing what spiders do, man. This is like bringing a cat into the barn to get the mouse and getting the dog to get the cat. Like it's they're just they're they're just higher up in the food chain now. I guess is what it comes down to. <laughs> they're just they're just doing what they do. Okay, I guess that's fair. I will say though that those spiders are pretty vindictive. Yeah, because they really like hunt humans down. And once they get them in the mall, the, the spiders are very much like, we've got them cornered now. <laughs> <laughs> Break down this tin can they call progress. <laughs> I guess I guess it makes sense for that one classification of spider or that one group of spider to be hunting the humans to get more food for the queen. But the rest of it, like, why are they all working together? Like, why is the tarantula there with everybody? He's like, get out of the way. I'll break this fucking door down. I think that's what really upset me the most is how how they painted tarantulas in such a bad light. Because tarantulas are like the gentle giant of the spider world. They're the beach bum of the arachnids. Tarantulas don't bite people, do they? I think they do if they're provoked. Because like if you scare like them and stuff. Nice boys. Yeah. Don't they eat mosquitoes? I mean, most spiders eat mosquitoes. Oh, that, that's the thing about mosquitoes. Fucking great about spiders. Yeah, don't kill spiders. Like they're just you, fucking scary looking. If you find one in your house, just put it outside. I mean, it'll probably find its way back in. But, <laughs> but if you're lucky, he'll. It'll probably lay eggs in your ear while you're sleeping. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but, but. It's, all, it's, it's, it's all uh, part of a healthy ecosystem. <laughs> So speaking of scary house spiders, daddy long legs are the creepiest because they have these tiny ass little bodies mm-hmm. and spoiler alert, daddy long legs. <laughs> Where do they get the fucking protein in those tiny little digestive systems to grow legs that are 26 times the length of their body? Mm-hmm. Fruit flies. 
Other little bugs that you don't want in the house? True. They're just creepy. They're super creepy. They're that's, just... And that's what makes a movie like Eight-Legged Freaks But work. I'd still like to see their spacesuit. <laughs> like a daddy long leg spacesuit would probably be the best of all spacesuits for spiders. I think you're right. I like this movie. I think this movie's a lot of dumb fun. And, uh, and you know, every once in a while you just need a good giant bug movie. And they, they don't all have to have some political satirical message like, like Starship Troopers does. They don't all have to be just a, ju- a guy in a bug suit like every Roger Corman movie from the late 50s. I kind of like a guy in a bug suit. Oh, I do, t- I do too. <laughs> uh, but uh, nothing nothing will take away how fun it is to watch a spider just pounce on somebody on a motorcycle. Wait, did you pick your favorite spider? Those guys. Yeah, like this. Like I was hoping you wouldn't pick the giant jumping spiders okay. because they're the best. And it's probably just because that sequence where they are jumping and taking down kids on motorbikes is fucking amazing. And it, they're also kind of terrifying when they like all land on that tanker that explodes. Yeah. And then you hear the spiders screaming, and you're like, and then now a few now other I spiders. Bad. <laughs> yeah, and then a few other spiders emerge from the fire and continue chasing that kid. Yeah, and they Good don't stuff. even look burnt. Yeah, and so, they were on fire. So what's what's your rating of Eight Legged Freaks, Kim? So I didn't enjoy this. I don't think as much as you did. Yeah, I know. Uh, and uh, I think I think my biggest bone is that the spiders are all CGI, and even like in close-ups, we don't have any gratuitous giant puppet spider. The only like puppety spiders there are, are the two spider legs that are used for evidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm gonna give it a two out of four. That's a perfectly that's a perfectly good score for a dumb big bug <laughs> B movie. What are you talking? Well, about? Well, I feel ashamed. Just like. It, it, it's a big, giant-ass monster movie, and I'm like, mm, two out of four. <laughs> so much fun. There are so many scenes where dudes are just walking around with chainsaws, cutting the legs off spiders. That's great stuff. I'm giving it a three out of four. <laughs> I, I did, I did like really it. like the barber. His faces were great. Yes. Yeah, the spit takes from that barber. Perfect. Yeah. But that's just our opinion. Let us know what you thought of Starship Troopers and Eight-Legged Freaks over on Twitter at NOFS Podcast, in the Nightmare on Film Street Discord at nofspodcast.com slash discord, and heck, let us know what you thought of these movies over in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash horror fiends of NOFS. And if you're a fan of the podcast, join the Fiend Club at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub. For a couple bucks a month, uh, you'll support the show, help us grow, and unlock tons of cool perks, including watch parties, live streams, game nights, uh, some super cool Fiend Club exclusive swag, and tons more. That is at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub. But that's it for us for now. I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends.